This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 493 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. Folks, my name is Matt Bach. That's a big number. I think we're only four away from 500. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. After trespassing on the sacred ground that is the Ziggurat at Omaha, Matt and I found ourselves cursed to share a body and act as the guardian of the temple's arcane secrets. In the meantime, we also enjoy reviewing comics and editorializing about the week's nerd news. What else are we supposed to do? Come on. On this week's episode, Joe and I share some up-close and personal reviews of X-23 number one and Amazing Spider-Man number one. After that, we'll review eight more of this Wednesday's comics faster than America can stop pretending to care about World Cup soccer during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll pay a visit to the Teach and Sanctum Sanctorum, where this new strain of mushrooms I've been growing has us in a psychedelic fit, screaming about our must-read picks for next week. And finally... The news sucks. It's bad. And the world is going to hell. But the comic pushers have just the thing to distract you. But before we derail this nerdy train on its way out of the station, we better talk about this week's Nerd News! Nerd News! Is that like a weird sing whisper? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, I was trying something out. Oh, okay. It was weird. After teasing a new line of comics on Twitter using the hashtag, who gets warped, Marvel has revealed Infinity Warps. Every time uh, I see it, all I see is Infinity Raps. I know, exactly, I know. I love me a good rap. It's a series of minis that focus on amalgamated Marvel heroes. So Wait instead a of, minute. Amaglamated? In, instead of amaglamming with DC heroes, they're amaglamming with each other. That's a bit incestuous, isn't it? Kind of. Is that even legal? In some parts of the South. As long as they don't have children. Matt, I'm going to name off these combinations. You're going to tell me who you think they're amalgamating. Do you want to do that again? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's funnier that way. (laughs) Amaglamating. All right. All right. We got Iron Hammer. Justin Hammer. Iron Lad and Justin Hammer. So close. It's Iron Man and Thor. Shit. Uh, How about Soldier Supreme? Ooh, ooh, ooh. The Winter Soldier and Supreme, right? Right? They don't have the rights to Supreme. Oh, yeah, that's right. That doesn't make any sense. It's okay. Captain America and Doctor Strange. Mmm, shit. This one might be a little tougher. All right. Arachnite. Madam Web and <laughs> Misty Knight. I thought you were going to say Aranya. <laughs> Aranya and Misty Knight. Uh, it's Spider-Man and Moon Knight. You're shit. getting better, though. These are so much, ob- they're just more obvious than I'm going Now, here, this one is a real softball. Ghost Panther. Oh, Wolverine and female Wolverine. <laughs> no, Wolverine and old man Wolverine. I changed my answer. Wolverine and old man Wolverine. Ghost Rider and the Black Panther. Oh, okay. All right. All right here's your last chance. Weapon Hex. Jonah Hex. Wrong universe. If this is a deadly mashup of X-23 and the Scarlet Witch, because the only thing a character with Wolverine claws needs is magical powers. Yeah, it, may, it makes perfect sense, right? So we don't have many specifics, but of course the Infinity Stones are going to facilitate these fusions somehow. The characters will pop up first in Infinity Wars number three in September, and then the character-specific minis are going to start in October and November. Look, and I love a good amagram. five to ten years from now, they'll be brought back for an alternate universe mini that nobody cares about. Well, sure. Yeah, of course. Look, man, I love a good amagram. I mean, I do too. I think it's interesting that they're going to do this as like, obviously like part of the reality stone or something like that. It's going to mess with them. That's kind of fun if it's going to fit into the story and they're not necessarily good guys or bad guys or whatever. That's kind of fun. I don't know. Let's see what they do. Yeah. Like, so it's it's cooler than just doing like in a different universe where, you know, Marvel and DC were farted together. We got, this is cool because they're fitting it into the story. I think it's fun. Yeah, I, I like what Jerry Duggan and, and those guys are doing with this storyline, so yeah. it just sounds like good, fun comics. Yeah, I'm into it. Speaking of good, fun comics, Joe Patrick, 
from the 90s Overdrive desk. In other Marvel news, the former DC exclusive creator Tim Seeley is returning to Marvel to launch a Shatterstar limited series yes. with artist Carlos Villa. Scheduled to debut in this October, Shatterstar comes from Seeley's deep appreciation of the character going all the way back to a 12-year-old Seeley reading The New Mutants 99, the character's debut. I remember that issue. This is, and I remember picking it up because, like, that guy doesn't just have a sword. He has a handle with two swords on it. Yeah, double making sword. Making it twice as hard to cut through shit. <laughs> this or is twice Seeley's- as deadly. This is Seeley's quote, and it's adorable because I can hear 12-year-old Tim Seeley saying it. The dude's an alien gladiator, Seeley tells Marvel.com. And within the pages of us meeting him, he stabs himself with his own swords in order to kill the bad guys standing behind him. (laughs) That is truly a deep appreciation of Shatterstar. Sounds like the perfect guy to write the book. (laughs) From 1991 to 2018, Seeley's approach to X-Force alum is decidedly different. According to Seeley, my interest in him now is more in the hard-boiled noir aspects of the character. He's this guy whose life was violence for sport, and now he's trying to move on from that. But it's such a thin thread that keeps him in the new line of lawfulness, and it's an easy one to break. I'm into it. I I mean, like, Seeley has done really, really good work at DC. His Nightwing was wonderful. The New 52 Grayson series that he worked on was a treat that the New 52 didn't even deserve. He is a very talented writer, and a couple of years ago actually won my Beppo for Most Improved. Because hmm. Seeley, I didn't particularly care for Hackslash, and that's what he's known for, I think. And he has come so far from that book. I'm excited to see him at Marvel. I really don't care what he's working on. I don't particularly feel anything for Shatterstar. I know he got a lot of publicity when they thought he was going to be in the Deadpool movie. <laughs> well, he was. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just not for very long. <laughs> here's where he here's where they sold me. Though I love Shatterstar, but this is what really got me. When the life he built crumbles, Shatterstar is forced to ask himself if he ever truly gave up the gladiator ring. The series will be part John Wick. A dash of Will Eisner's A Contract with God and infused with lots and lots of interdimensional X-Men superhero mythos. Yeah. That sounds rad. It sounds great. There's just this part of me that's always like, well, if we're going to do a Shatterstar story, why not just do Longshot instead? <laughs> I just, I love Longshot. And I feel like Long. I would just rather read about Longshot. That's all. Longshot I've, and Shatterstar are two totally different characters. I know. They come from the same place, though, you know? Longshot's from, no gladiator. Well, they're both from the Mojoverse. Longshot was a freedom fighter. But he was like a star, right? He was like a movie star kind of guy. Uh, well, he was the star of a bunch of Mojo's pictures, but he was actually fighting in all of them and shit like that. He so fought he like, for freedom wherever there was trouble? Uh, not exactly, but kind of. He was more like the running man. Okay, all right, sure. Yeah, so there you go. Shatterstar number one is scheduled to debut October 3rd and run for five long issues. So I'm into it. It's a miniseries. From the Serenity Desk, Joss Whedon's Firefly franchise has a new home, Boom Studios. Dark Horse. Yeah. First reported by Entertainment Weekly, Boom has taken over the Firefly license from Dark Horse, which has held it since 2005. Yeah. First up is a story by Greg Pak and artist Dan McDade. Love working both on guys. finally exploring the story of the Unification War and the first meeting of Nathan Fillion's character Mal and Zoe, his first mate. Joe, let me ask you a question. Does this worry you about Dark Horse a little more? <laughs> Not really, uh, because they haven't put out anything Firefly related in a long time. I suppose they just seem to be losing licenses left and right. And the Whedon verse is a pretty big part of Dark Horse. And well, I you gotta like, is this the first domino to fall there? I don't know. Right. Like, are they going to lose? Well, they're still churning out Buffy comics. It's so true. They're maintaining that license, whether or not they hang on to it. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I can't help but worry every time I see another news story like this. Not that I think this will be bad or I don't think boom is good home for it. I'm just getting a little more worried about dark horse these days. That's all. Sure. No, I hear you. And I mean, that's a different story altogether, and I hope that that's not the case. But I, I'm happy to have Firefly back in comics form. Oh, definitely. Because definitely. Dark Horse, they put out a couple of minis. 
they put out a really good original graphic novel, The Shepherd's right. Tale, with Chris Somney art. And that's that's it. Yeah, that's basically it. I don't know what that choice was, or maybe they were licensing it and relicensing it, and it was expensive to do so. I, we really don't know. But I think Greg Pak is a fun writer. I love Vandroid creator Dan McDade. Yeah, <laughs> and, yes. And I'm sure this will be fun. And I'm into more Firefly comics. That's great. And comics is a good place for something like Firefly. It's not coming back. I'm sorry, folks. We just have to let it go. But Oh, yeah, <laughs> but, no, of course. But we can live through it here, you know? So this is a good home for it. Boom is definitely not known for their licensed properties. Not in the same way like IDW is. No, certainly not. Right. Or Dynamite. You know, I, it seems like maybe they're moving in that direction. I don't think it's a bad direction to move in if they can do it and do it well. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, and I just hope that we get more than like three minis in 10 years, you know? Yeah, I mean, if they're paying for it, I have a feeling we're going to see it. So Firefly number one, coming at you this November. Uh, and they're going to reprint all the Dark Horse stuff. So if you missed it. Oh, really? It, oh, so they got it all. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, wow. I mean, the rights are the rights. Like Marvel's going to get to reprint all the Conan. Yeah, that I they suppose want, that's true. So. I suppose that's true. That's our take on this week's nerd news. Of course, there's always more to discuss, and we want to hear about it from you. That's right. You. Not you. you. specifically. Not you. But you. you. <laughs> so head over to the THN forums. Let us know what you think about these stories and everything we missed. You can find them by heading to the twoheadednerd.com website and clicking on the forums button. It helps to mash on that button. Just you got to hit it, it as hard as you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is review time in the Ziggurat, where Joe and I will say one thing about two of this week's comics, and then, when it doesn't play well with the public, we'll swear the media misreported it. Joe Patrick, what are you reviewing this week? This week I'm reviewing X-23, number one from Marvel Comics. It's written by Mariko Tamaki, with art by Juan Cabal, color art by Nolan Woodard. It's 40 pages for $4.99, here's your solicit. Clone from a warrior, raised as a killer, Laura Kinney has gone through hell and come out the other side a hero. After a stint as the all-new Wolverine, she returns to her roots as X-23 to make sure no one ever has to go through the horrors she did. With her sister Gabby and their pet Jonathan in tow, X-23 forges her own destiny in this new series. I have a confession to make. I didn't read Tom Taylor's fan favorite all new Wolverine series past the first issue. Oh, you're such a dumb bum. Listen I know. To you. I liked that issue and I've heard nothing but great things about the series, but I just didn't make it a priority to keep up. This issue made me want to go back and catch up on what I missed. You should, because it was excellent. I will. The issue opens with a quick recap, easily catching the reader up on the basics of Laura's history before segueing to an exciting double-page splash that shows Laura and her sister Gabby, a.k.a. Honey Badger, free-falling through the air after a group of jetpack-wielding mercenaries. Their new mission is to track down and stop those that would continue to weaponize mutant DNA, especially their own. Though the stakes are serious, Gabby's childlike excitement reminds us to have fun. Tamaki does a great job balancing Laura's grim demeanor and inner monologue with Gabby's infectious enthusiasm, and it keeps the book from being too dark. Tamaki also reinforces Laura's struggle with her sense of identity as she tries to convince Gabby of the irrelevance of a birthday to a clone. Meanwhile, the Stepford Cuckoos have returned, and they are creepier than ever, and their schemes are going to crash headlong into Laura's mission. The art by Juan Cabal and Nolan Woodard is just beautiful. Cabal draws with a very smooth line without a ton of heavy shadow, and he produces extremely expressive faces. Paired with the soft colors by Woodard and the art in this issue reminded me a lot of John Cassidy and Laura Martin's work on Astonishing X-Men. Ooh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but yes, definitely. However, X-23's new costume is terrible. Yeah. It's not really bad. They're, and here's the other thing. They didn't need to redesign it. They didn't. No. There was nothing wrong with her costume. They no. it does not need a redesign. 
And I'm not sure that Cabal is responsible for that bit of design work, though. Like, sometimes Marvel hires other artists to do design costumes, but... It's hard to know. It's hard to know. It's a bummer that the character has been, quote-unquote, demoted out of her role as Wolverine. We've had multiple Captain Americas, flashes coming out of our ears, and an entire Spider-Verse. There can't be more than one Wolvie? But... It's just a name, and X-23 has grown into a character that's much, much more than just a Wolverine clone. X-23 is a very good comic, and a decent primer for new readers as well. Like I said, I haven't been reading. Wasn't lost at all. It's a buy-it. This character has grown on me so much, and I don't even remember when it first started, but all-new Wolverine is when I finally gave in and said... I love this character. I'm fine with her as Wolverine. And that whole series with some of the best Wolvie stories I've read in a long time. I love what they're doing here. Juan Cabal is truly talented. I first noticed that guy when he was working on Elektra last year. He was really good there. He just gets better and better. I don't like the new costume either. I love this character. I don't love the name X-23. No. I feel like at this point, she should be beyond that. Right. But I also don't know if we call her Wolverine. I don't know that we do that. It's, so, it's a sticky wicket, if you will. Uh, <laughs> you know, it is. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, like, many, many years ago, back when she first had her own, her first ongoing, there was some news swirling around that she was going to, that her code name was going to change to Talon. I remember that. Which is a kick-ass name, and nobody's using it, and what's the problem? And she has claws that come out of her feet, like talons, so why not? Sure. You know, I mean, like, let's do it. But X-23 is sort of like, and if this is offensive, I apologize, but it's sort of her slave name. It's what, like, her creators called her in a test tube. Right. And you would think she'd want to get away from that and be her own person, but whatever. Th- Regardless I'd rather of that, it be called Laura. Yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> Regardless, this is an excellent book with a fantastic art team. Oh, you know what? Was that Electra book? It wasn't an ongoing, right? It was that mini series. Yeah, I think it was just. I, well, I think it, I don't know if it was supposed to be an ongoing, and it became no, a mini. because there were several minis. There was okay. the Kingpin mini. Yeah, I think it was a mini, and they were all tied into song. what was going on in Daredevil. Yeah, because we reviewed that, and I remember thinking the art was really good, and the story was meh. Regardless, he, this he's really coming to his own, and he's killing it here. This is a great book. I don't love the title. I don't love the costume. I do love the character, though, and I am going to stick with this. I'm giving it a buy it. Awesome. Well, let's keep it in the Marvel U. What have you let's, got for us this week? This week, I am reviewing Amazing Spider-Man number one because we didn't have enough of those. It's from Marvel. It's written by Nick Spencer, and it's got art by Ryan Otley. It is 56 pages for $5.99. Here is your solicit. An alien invasion hits New York, and the only one who can stop it is Spider-Man. But that's far from all you'll find here. A revelation from the past puts Peter Parker's job, relationships, and whole life in jeopardy. And even if that's not enough, you'll see a new roommate, new love interests, and a new villain. Nick Spencer gets his shot at the webhead, and his first job is to return things to that old Parker status quo. Bad luck living with roommates. He's even lost his job after being accused of plagiarism that Doc Ock actually committed while his mind inhabited Pete's body. It was a whole thing. It wasn't even that it wasn't even that Doc Ock plagiarized anything. He wrote the paper. Right. But like in Peter's name. Not plagiarism, but Peter can't tell anyone that, and it's destroying his life. Yeah. What is a friendly neighborhood Spidey to do? Spencer isn't alone here as he's joined by first-time Spidey artist Ryan Otley, fresh off his victory lap after finishing his legendary run on Invincible. Here, he is joined by fellow Invincible alum and inker Cliff Rathburn, and the two mesh nicely. But honestly, this did not look as Ryan Otley as I thought it would. Oh, I totally disagree. I thought it was I, Ryan Otley completely. See, I thought there's nothing wrong with the art, and I liked it. Spidey looks great as Otley poses him in true Todd McFarlane fashion. I just felt like there was going to be a transition that would look more like Invincible, and maybe they softened things a little bit here. Like, it's not unrecognizable. It's not unrecognizable at I, all. I really, I could not disagree with you more. Like, really? from the first page to the last, I was like, this is Ryan Otley all over the dang place. See, I can't even put my finger on it. And same I'm not artist, same, I mean, like, it. the colorist is different, but... I, I know, and maybe 
maybe that's what's throwing me. I don't know. But there was something here, and I couldn't put my finger on it. But it's just like I wanted more Ryan Otley style, like harder-edged look. And I just feel like he kind of softened things yeah, a little bit. You're maybe. wrong. It's, Carry on. It's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad, okay? Spencer's story is fairly boilerplate Spidey. Peter is down on his luck again, and no one believes in him. But at the same time, Spencer looks to be building to a theme that's been missing from Spidey for quite some time. I didn't dislike any of this, but it certainly does not feel like a first issue. Everything here is referencing the past and recent storylines. This feels way more like Amazing Spider-Man 802, and I wish Marvel had the guts to market it as such. I was going to give it a skim it, but I'm that would be punishing it for its numbering. I'm giving this a buy it. It was good. I'm not mad at Spencer. I'm not mad at the decision to dial down Dan Slot Spidey, and I understand you got to change it. This was definitely a violent change, but I can't say I didn't like it. I'm giving it a buy it. I just wish this was another issue of Amazing Spider-Man and not Amazing Spider-Man number one. We've talked before on the show about these big companies hesitation to let characters change and grow yes without like jerking the chain back violently the other way at the at the end of the rope right right and dan slot got away with a lot of stuff jerking the chain back on the other end of the rope (laughs) jerking the like jerking the rope back when it got to the end is what i meant yeah okay gotcha that's just quite the metaphor yeah yeah you know Everybody's over there jerking their chains. This isn't blowing the roof off my doors. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's a whole, <laughs> it's a horse of a different color. Slot put Spider-Man through the ringer. He got, he went through a lot of stuff in 10 years. Oh my God. It was insane. And grew a ton. Yeah. And he, but he never lost the essence of Spider-Man. And like, I think it's, you know, it's been a long time and it's fun to kind of see Spidey back in the old swing of things. But, like, Dan Slott had already kind of put him back in that box. Yes. He had him back at the Daily Bugle. Yeah. He was down on his luck. It's like we didn't take it far enough, so now we have to make him borderline homeless. Right. Uh, He's a complete failure. Super villain, right? We've taken his job. His Aunt May's disappointed in him. You know, it's like, okay, well, how much more do we have to kick the guy's feet out from underneath him that's kind of where i was at i almost would have liked to have seen him just make the decision i'm done with this i like this whole parker industries thing and everything i'm done with that i just want to go back to a simpler life and he gets a new apartment and he just starts over you know and it's not it's not hardship it's not like lunacy it's not you're fired parker you're an idiot parker i can't believe you're a cheater too parker you know like just let the guy fucking restart you know and and just make a decision i'm done with that I'm right. just going to go back to doing what I do best. I want to be a photographer again, you know, and just let him grow as a character because this kind of just felt like we stuck him right back where he was. Right. Like, how does a guy become basically a younger version of Tony Stark? Right. You know, top of the world, blah, 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 to like bottom of the barrel. Yeah. You're broke, Peter. You're like, what is he in complete? Is he like MC Hammer with his money? Is he a complete right. moron? I mean, uh, no, and no not offense, only, Hammer. not only you. have you lost everything, but everybody hates you. Right. Your friends don't like you. Yeah. You Your don't, aunt's pissed. They don't need to take it that far. Right. The character that outed Peter for the plagiarism. I was like, that's a real dick move lady. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> because you knew that she knew about it going into it. Right. Right. So like, what is her deal? Well, is she holding the grudge against him? I, I guess we're going to find out. Uh, maybe. Nick Spencer also set up a pretty fun status quo at the very end. Yes. Uh, that, and, and that's what ended up, I, I, and that's what melted my heart in the end. It was just like, God damn it, you got me. And it felt like you a real a classic comic book move, too. It, it did. And there were some parts of this that I definitely missed. Some classic Spidey-looking parts. Spidey yeah. not totally confident not wearing armor just spidey in the costume being who he is yeah doing his job uses his powers of deduction figures out oh shit this isn't what's going on at all solves the problem and then just leaves you know i mean very much in the style of spider-man i think spencer has a good handle on this i think it's going to be fun i liked otley's art it just maybe it was a shock for me to see him drawing spider-man sure maybe that's all it is because I've been with him on Invincible for so goddamn long. I, I'm with him, 
I'm ready for more. I want to see where this goes. I think it was just kind of a shock, and I didn't. I don't think they needed to go that far with it. Yeah, so, I had fun with the issue. I, I wish they hadn't like gone quite so dramatic with the with the backswing, but I'm giving it a buy it too. Fair enough. So that is a double buy it for both Amazing Spider-Man number one and for X-23 number one. We will probably, we'll think about posting our written reviews over at TwoHeadedNerd.com. <laughs> it's been a while. That, we? <laughs> so you nerds can tell us what you thought of these comics and just how wrong we are as usual. You know what, nerds? England hasn't had a whole lot of wins lately, with Brexit looming and our orange leader preparing to visit. On top of that, Ant-Man and the Wasp had its release date pushed back because of a soccer game. No shit. Apparently, World Cup soccer and Ant-Man just can't coexist. So, Joe and I are going to do the Brits a favor, and we're unleashing the floodgates and leaking copies of the latest Marvel flick to IPs all over the UK. You know what else? We're rooting for fucking France in the World Cup. All while we review eight more comics during the ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed, go! Superman, number one from DC. Bendis' first issue of the ongoing Superman title is here, and it's a lot more Bendis-y than Man of Steel was. I noticed that too. The writer offers up a lot of great scenes showing how he's dealing with the absence of John and Lois, rethinking an article he's writing about himself. I thought that was actually pretty neat. Yeah, I did too. And there is an especially fun sequence where the Martian Manhunter makes an almost unthinkable proposal, and it did seem like it might have been a little out of character. <laughs> Bendis' dialogue quirks are starting to show through a little, but I still found the issue really enjoyable and the tremendous art from Ivan Rice, Joe Prado, and Alex Sinclair doesn't hurt. Superman number one gets a buy it. Ruin World number one from Boom slash Kaboom. Derek Lofman of Adventure Time Comics fame brings his digital comic to the page with this tale of a fox and a pig that raid tombs and escape by the hairs of their chinny-chin-chins. This is laugh-out-loud fun for the whole fam set in a cartoony, D&D-inspired fantasy world. You don't need kids to have fun with this, but it's got to be really good indoctrination material for your young, soon-to-be fantasy role-play nerd. I am giving this a massive buy-it. It was just adorable. Flash 50 from DC. Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter deliver an outstanding finale to the Flash War storyline, dropping huge moments that should get any diehard DC fans heart racing. This is the book to watch if you're really interested in the way DC is playing with lost continuity. Outstanding arc, phenomenal art from Porter, and a pair of epilogues that made my jaw drop, no joke. Flash number 50 gets a huge buy it. Farmhand number one from Image. Chew creator Rob Guillory returns to monthly comics with an even weirder story than his last one. Yes, I'm fucking serious. <laughs> this is the story of Jedediah Jenkins, a farmer that grows human organs. But what has Jenkins' mysterious blend of GMO science and dark magic done? Fans of Chew rejoice, and if you've never had a chance to jump on Guillory's train, now is the time. This was more twisted black comedy from a truly twisted mind, and a hell of a talented artist, too. Given this a huge buy, it was just fun. She Could Fly, number one, from Dark Horse. In Chicago, an unknown woman appears flying at speeds of 120 miles per hour and at heights reaching 2,000 feet. Then she suddenly dies in a fiery explosion midair. Jesus. No one knows. Yeah. No one knows who she was, how she flew, or why. A troubled teenager named Luna becomes obsessed with the woman as a conspiracy surrounding her origins begins to surface. This was an unexpected treat from Burger Books. Writer Christopher Cantwell, who is also the co-creator of Holt and Catch Fire, and artist Martin Marazzo. Wonderfully weird, super compelling. I'm giving She Could Fly number one a buy it. Holt and Catch Fire is fucking awesome, and Burger Books? Kind of killing it at Dark Horse. Yeah, they're doing some good stuff. Really? Transformers Unicron number one of six from IDW. The Great Destroyer has come, and Pax Prime is going to have to fess up to not necessarily being the bot of prophecy that will stop Unicron. <laughs> Longtime Transformer writer James Barber is excellent here, setting up the complete destruction of Cybertron 
in a story that looks to end the IDW age of robots in disguise. Alex Milne draws the hell out of this issue and makes Unicron look scary as hell, not to mention detailing every page so much I can't even imagine how this guy hits any kind of deadline. I am on board for the death of the Transformers, but I'm not buying eight damn covers of every issue. You're insane, IDW, but I'm giving this a buy it. Outpost Zero, number one from Image. Sean McKeever returns to comics after at least a few years away with the story of a lost human outpost crash landed on a desolate frozen world. It's an interesting concept, but McKeever drops you right into the middle of events and these characters' lives and expects the reader to catch up. He kind of always does, though. That's sort of his thing. I don't need comics to hold my hand. I piece together the story just fine, but it's a bad way to get me to care about your very large cast. Fair enough. The art by Alexandra Tefenki is nice, but I found it tough to connect with the story. I'm giving Outpost Zero a skim it. Relay number one from Aftershock. I don't know who Andy Clark is, but holy shit, is this guy a talented artist. Every page of this dystopian epic explodes with detail and color, completely immersing the reader in this Mega City One homage of a future city dominated by one culture to, you know, avoid conflicts. The story was heady sci-fi at its best, written by Zach Thomas. You are going to know both of these guys' names very soon because Relay Number 1 was goddamn excellent. I am giving this a huge bite. Crack-a-doom! That is your ludicrous speed round, and crack-a-doom is the sound of a bomb detonating all over some poor inhumans, as seen in the pages of Death of the Inhumans, number one. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by the official THN historian, Mr. Jason Sachs, via the Twitters. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can explode it all over any of our social media or shoot it in the form of an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Just be sure to mark in the subject line, face towards enemy. Join us now in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where I've gently blanched these new pink mushrooms the Moloids just harvested in a fraggle bone broth that's sure to open our third eyes to the secrets of next week's comics. Joey, it doesn't taste good, but it does the job. What is your must-read pick for next week? Fraggle bones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're malleable. They're soft. It's kind of weird. <laughs> are they are they sweet like those dozer sticks? Mm-mm, no, and those weren't sweet. They tasted like radishes, remember? Oh, no! you know what? I didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, they made them out of radishes. All right. My pick is Thrilling Adventure Hour number one from Boom Studios, written by Benz, Acker, and Blacker. Art by MJ Erickson. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Also, they were doozers, not dozers. Come on, man. Thank you. Look, man, it's been 30 years since I've... Just get with it, all right? <laughs> Here's the solicit. Writing team, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker known for their work on Deadpool and uh, Death Be Damned, I guess, which is a book they're known for. I believe that was a boom book, and we did review it. Okay. They're returning to the thrilling adventure hour in this new series based on the wildly popular Hollywood stage show and podcast, because nothing screams visual, sequential art like a podcast. Yeah, I'll tell you what, take it from us. (laughs) Frank and Sadie Doyle are the toast of the upper crust, headliners on the society pages and... They see ghosts. Follow the Doyles on a night when having a drink or ten with friends goes horribly and perhaps predictably wrong at a haunted house. Thrilling Adventure Hour is awesome. This is not their first time adapting it into comics. They had a few issues through Image. Uh, One of them about Frank and Sadie Doyle was drawn by Phil Hester. I reviewed it on the show. It was excellent. It was really good. It's a a phenomenal show. It's very, very funny, and they have lots of great skits, and it lends itself really well to this kind of sequential anthology storytelling. So Yeah, it's a great way to do this. I'm looking forward to it. Check out the podcast if you haven't heard it. Paul F. Tompkins plays Frank Doyle. He is amazing. I love him. Matt, what's your pick? My pick for next week is Euthanauts. Number one, it's written by Teeny Howard with art by Nick Robles. 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. 
Death is like outer space, a seemingly unknowable, terrifying blackness that yields beautiful discoveries and truths, if only you've got the right kind of rocket ship. Talia Rosewood has a lifelong obsession with death, keeping her from living her life to the fullest. Mercy Wolf has a brain tumor the size of a billiard ball Whoops. and a need for a new recruit before her journey begins. Inigo Hanover is a reluctant tether to the world beyond, seeking to continue a cycle that exploration would halt. Go towards the light, then go beyond. Euthanos! <laughs> that sounds nuts, man! Yeah. I am totally in. Uh, this was one of my picks for Drunk Nerd's Guide to Previews. Yes. A couple of months ago, uh, which we have once again failed to deliver. It's true, but the July one we will do this week. I'm very Over. sorry. We are very bad at this. <laughs> the THN Trade of the Week goes to Come Again. It's a hardcover from Top Shelf. Written and illustrated by Nate Powell. You know him as the artist of March. Yeah, he's awesome. It's 280 pages for $24.99. Here's the solicit. As the sun sets on the 1970s, the spirit of the love generation still lingers among the aging hippies of one intentional community, quote unquote, high in the Ozarks. But what's missing? Under impossibly close scrutiny, two families wrestle with long-repressed secrets, while deep within those Arkansas hills, something monstrous stirs. Ready to feast on village whispers, National Book Award winner Nate Powell returns with a haunting tale of intimacy, guilt, and collective amnesia. It's uh, quite the turn from March, huh? It sure is. <laughs> I mean, uh, don't, we're not putting Nate Powell in a box. They're just like, no. okay, cool, I'm in. Uh, basically anything Nate Powell draws and writes, you should read. And yes. this is one of them. So pick it up. It's out this week, today. Don't forget, nerds, new comic book day is just one week away. So get these comics added to your pull files now. Matt, I can't do it anymore. I can't either. I'm done. I'm I over it. I can't even think about the news. No kidding me? No. The these hockey trades, they're driving me insane. The world is in disarray, and I just don't even want to think about it. I read one more summer NBA story, and I swear to God. Your priorities are all out of whack. <laughs> Maybe the comic pushers need to take a special segment to suggest some comics to distract everyone from the world on fire. That's right, kids. The comic pushers are back. But instead of taking suggestions from you we're going to suggest some things for everyone and this week the theme is nonsense we're looking for comic books well, that are pure of. distraction not I nonsense mean, per se not complete nonsense but this isn't heavy we're not learning anything we just want to sit down open a comic book and lose ourselves joe and i each picked three silly books to distract you from how terrible the news is. Joey? Oh, was I supposed to pick things in advance? <laughs> My first pick is, of course, Teen Dog. We mentioned it on Cover to Cover last week before we decided to do this as a comic pusher segment. It is exactly what it sounds like. He's a dog, and he's a teen. It's true. And he's the coolest teen dog at the high school. He rides a skateboard. He's got a sweet sleeveless. Uh, no, man, his jacket might not be sleeveless. No, he's not sleeveless. Thug Pug was sleeveless. Yeah, he's but he's thug. got a sweet jean jacket. He's got sunglasses. He loves pizza. He loves doing sweet flips. And he loves his friends. Teen Dog. It's so wholesome. Even his nemesis is wholesome. The yeah. aforementioned Thug Pug. <laughs> he's, what are you talking about, man? He's bad news. He smokes. Nah, nah. He draws with markers on the walls. He's mean. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Dog is so wholesome. It's difficult to describe. It's a bit surreal. Uh, it gets kind of trippy. It's very funny. The art is fantastic. The creator's name is Jake Lawrence. Uh, there's one Teen Dog miniseries currently in print, hopefully still in print, from uh, Boombox, the, the all-ages imprint of Boom Studios. And I can't recommend it highly enough. If you just want to feel good, read Teen Dog. My first pick is God Hates Astronauts. It's from Image Comics, written and drawn by Ryan Brown. God Hates Astronauts is so insane that it is hard to even explain. I'm just going to read you the solicit for the first trade paperback. All three are in print from Image, and it collects the entire series. 
You need these. God Hates Astronauts follows the story of a group of incompetent, small-minded, super-powered narcissists called the Power Persons Five, (laughs) who are hired (laughs) by NASA to stop all farmers from launching themselves into space in homemade rocket ships. Unfortunately for NASA... This goal is scarcely even addressed, and the book focuses more on extramarital affairs, bank-robbing owls, big, gross, swollen heads, ghost cow heads, old-timey boxers, tigers eating cheeseburgers in the Crab Nebula, buffalo judges, and tons of aggressive swearing. (laughs) Not so much a superhero book as it is a parody of basically everything and a celebration of weird that is jam-packed with references from RoboCop to Die Hard. <laughs> God, hates right. astronaut, God Hates Astronauts is a bizarre specimen. It's absolutely absurdist superhero nonsense, and it was such a fun read. It started off as Ryan Brown's online comic. He then brought it to Image, and I think it was just too beautiful for the world. It was too bizarre to last, and he recognized it, and he ended it in a very hilarious way. I can't recommend this enough. I will say his art is very good. For what, if this level of nonsense, the art is excellent. Oh, yeah. He's a very talented, dude. Joe Patrick, what's your next book? Next up for me is Jeff Smith's Bone. Yeah, man. Yeah. Bone oh. is just a fun, innocent adventure comic. And it's not like it's all ages in air quotes. Right. But it's not without its tense moments. It's got high stakes, but not in a way that brings you down. Like, no, it, and not it's, at all. it's also like deceptively cutesy. Right. He's got this very, uh, the bone, the bone, uh, cousins. I think they're cousins, right? Yes, they are cousins. Um, phone bone, smiley bone and phony bone are these like, anthropomorphic like blob dudes i don't know what if they're supposed to represent an animal or what they just like big fat round noses and and bald heads and white skin sometimes they wear clothes (laughs) sometimes they don't and uh they interact with this world uh, with more uh traditional looking humans giant rat creatures uh big red dragons tiny talking fleas it's magical. It, like, literally, it's a magical reading experience. It was a, a very long-running indie series that went from his independent publishing company, Cartoon Books. Then it was at Image for a while. And then I think it finished up again at Cartoon Books. I yes. could be mistaken. No, you're correct. And once it was all said and done, it's not even that many issues, to be honest. But it took a decade or more to, for him to complete it. And when all was said and done, they published it in a huge, thick, phone book, gorgeous one volume edition. And it's wonderful. You can pick it up. It's not that expensive. It's 40 bucks for that whole book. And you could just tear through it. It's a really wonderful story. Yeah, it really uh, is great. It's it, got it, a great finish. Imagine like Charlie Brown on a Lord of the Rings-esque kind of yeah, adventure. Exactly. And, and exactly. Yep. You nailed it. And yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. I love Bone. We said it many years ago on the podcast. We got a you lot heard of jokes it here about first. it. Joe Patrick loves Bone. Listen, we've already trod on these He's jokes. Prone to the bone, folks. <laughs> I'm sworn to the bone. My next pick is Transformers versus GI Joe, but not that Transformers versus GI Joe. A little while ago, an artist that I truly love, a guy named Tom Cioli wrote and drew a Transformers versus GI Joe miniseries for IDW. That was absolutely insane. It read like a sixth grader drawing in his notebook. Yeah, it might as well have been on like lined paper. It's some of it was. It was so fucking cool. These are like the Transformers versus G.I. Joe comics that you would have drawn when you were young watching those cartoons desperately hoping that they would cross over. Scioli is a madman. He worked on Godland, a book with Joe Casey that I adore. It was sort of a Fantastic Four pastiche homage type thing with a lot of humor involved. This book is nuts, absolutely nuts, and it is so fun and so much better than anything they were doing the G.I. Joe comics. I do like a lot of IDW Transformers comics, so I'm not going to talk shit about that. But, oh, my God, you can pick up all three of these trades from Diamond. The first one is backordered, but they have it on 
low stock status. So if you're going to go grab this trade, grab it now before it disappears. Joe Patrick, back at you. My final pick is going to upset Matt Baum, but it is what it is. If you want a feel-good comic that just helps you unwind and let go of the burden of the day's events, you can't go wrong with a book called The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl from Marvel Comics. It doesn't piss me off. I just don't love it as much as you do. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Appropriately enough, uh, she was a character created by Steve Ditko in the 90s. She was a one-note joke character that they told one story with and never did anything with again until she was kind of revived by, of all people, Brian Michael Bendis, I believe, in the pages yes. of New Avengers. It was B.M. Bendis. Uh, she became the nanny for Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, and she was eventually given her own series. Like, she gained enough of a, uh, a kind of a cult following that she was given her own series by... Uh, very, very famous webcomic creator, Ryan North. He uh, he produces Dinosaur Comics, which is a comic book read by more people than have ever read a, a, com a modern comic book ever. <laughs> and it's drawn by Erica Henderson, who is a very talented artist. And it's just about Squirrel Girl, whose name is Doreen Green. She's got mutant squirrel powers, which means in real life she does have a huge bushy tail that she has to tuck into her pants. And everybody thinks she has a big butt, and they're she's like, "She's got yeah. like a righteous badonkadonk." Yes, uh, she's got giant buck teeth, and she talks to squirrels. And it's all about her, like building a real life for herself, going to college, meeting new friends, fighting Galactus. You know, like you do. Sure. Uh, and it's so much fun. It was relaunched a couple times, so it's kind of hard to keep track of it. But it's all in trades. Uh, seek it out. It's. A ton of fun. It's very lighthearted. It's got very uh, beautiful cartoony art that really suits the subject matter. It's almost absurd in in its in its way because the whole deal with Squirrel Girl. You know what? I take it back. It was Dan Slott that brought back Squirrel Girl. Was it in uh, Great Lakes Avengers when he did those minis? Okay, because that's where they started the joke that Squirrel Girl beat up Thanos, beat up Doctor Doom. Yes. So the idea is that like Squirrel Girl is one of the toughest heroes in the Marvel Universe, <laughs> which is such a great joke. And I love it. Yeah, so, that's great. Listen, it's just for fun. I it doesn't know. have to count. My final pick goes to Scud, the disposable assassin. You can get the entire story in uh, an edition called The Whole Shebang. It's a trade paperback available from Image Comics. It is 786 pages. It's only 34 bucks, you guys. Okay. So Dang. I don't want to hear you whining about it. Here is the solicit. Beginning, middle, and end. Scud is programmed to destroy a basement monster, but he will self-destruct if he does. So the robotic assassin puts the wounded creature on life support and becomes a freelance assassin to pay for the hospital bills. This collects Scud 1 through 24 and the super sweet one-shot drywall unzipped. Scud was the creation of a guy named Rob Schrab. And Rob is best known for working on the Sarah Silverman show. He was one of the head writers there. He also worked on the Monster House movie and something called Laser Fart. So that ought to tell you a little something <laughs> about Rob. <laughs> he is an amazing creator, and he had this crazy loose art style. These stories were nuts. And at one point, we found out that the main bad guy was Benjamin Franklin, who had traveled back in time, who also may or may not have been a werewolf. <laughs> you never the know. Book, the book is totally insane, but it has this like real heart to it as well. Scud is an assassin that you walk up to a, basically a vending machine and buy. You tell them who you want them to kill. They go and kill them. Afterwards, they self-destruct. Game over. But he sees in the mirror that he has a stamp on his back that says this unit will self-destruct upon completion of mission. And he decides, well, I don't want to die. So he only maims the thing that he's supposed to kill and keeps it on life support. <laughs> it is, it's such an amazing, off-kilter, insane book that never got enough attention. I love it so much. And you can get the whole shebang in one edition. He had a sidekick, right? That was all zippers? That was drywall. Drywall was like an experimental creature that was covered in zippers. He looks sort of like a beanbag with eyes, like button eyes, and he could unzip himself and reach into a pocket dimension and grab anything you needed for any situation, but he wasn't really good at it. So, like, there was a scene where they were fighting a robot grizzly bear, I believe, and he's like, drywall, 
ammunition. And he reaches in and pulls out a copy of Bill Cosby himself on vinyl. <laughs> it's oh. like, damn. <laughs> it's so great. Absolutely pick this one up. You will love it. Underappreciated book. So that's it for the comic pushers for this week. Thank you to Kyle Fox for suggesting this question. Check these books out. Take a load off. Unburden your minds and your spirits. And just have a good time. These books will do it for you. If you're looking for a highly addictive read, you know where to look. Contact the comic pushers at twoheadednerd at gmail.com or on the THN forums or anywhere we appear on social media. Tell us what you're into, and we will put some highly addictive comic product in your hot, sweaty little hands. Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 493. But before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, tell these nerds, rather ask these nerds, a new question of the week. You know what? This week's question is not phrased in the form of a question, so I will be telling them. What? I know. It comes from Brian Domingos via the THN forums. Name a low-profile book and or story arc by a famous creator or creative team that you love, but you don't think enough people have read. His examples are Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Rizzo's Johnny Double miniseries that, from that Vertigo. Great series. Ooh, and that was good. Pete Tomasi and Doug Mankey's Black Adam miniseries also, from DC. Also, a fantastic miniseries. And so, probably what they're going to base this Black Adam movie off, I'll bet. A great underappreciated or underrated book by a high-profile writer, artist, or team. Fun. That'll yeah. be a good one. All I right. THN is a listener-supported podcast. We want to thank everyone that shells out their hard-earned cash by helping us out on PayPal and Patreon and also clicking on our Amazon link. You can shop at Amazon and help fund this stupid show just by buying stuff. I can't believe they haven't cut us off yet. It's crazy. It's true. The link is in the show notes of every single episode. All you have to do is open the episode page, click the link, shop as normal. Without you nerds, we cannot afford this sweet new infinity wrap we got for the THN Battle Wagon. It's like lightning all over it, and there's a cobra. There's a unicorn that's like farting rainbows. It's awesome. Joe demanded that part. I just wanted the cobra. (laughs) Before we go... Our weekly shout-out goes to legendary artist Steve Ditko, who co-created Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, among many, many other very famous comic book properties like Hawk and Dove, The Question, The Creeper. Yeah. Mr. Ditko passed away at the age of 90 last week. We just heard about it yesterday. But his legend and the mythos he created live on. Word to you, Steve Ditko. Thank you for your work your creations, and for sharing your talent with nerds like us. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might come over, take all your Squirrel Girl comics, and stuff them in the butt of his pants. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Well, I don't want them back now. Exactly. It's a punishment. He's not doing it because he thinks you'll like it. They're mad because you didn't pre-order freaking...